When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Let's go! What's up, everyone? Welcome to Benchtown TV. I'm your host, Jim, and today, me and my co-host, Tyler, have a very special treat for you all. This week, we were lucky enough to sit down with the amazing Hugh Howie, author of the book series that has been adapted into Apple TV Plus's newest hit TV show, Silo. We had an absolute blast chatting with him and can't thank him enough for making some time for us. In this episode, we talked to Hugh about the origins of the first book in the series, Wool. He explains how he keeps all of his intricate characters, mysteries, and plots straight. We discussed some theories with him, and we even make some time for some quick Sixers basketball talk in the beginning and end of the episode, plus so much more. But before we get into the episode, some quick housekeeping. If you're listening from our dedicated silo feed, then welcome to Benchtown TV. We are a television podcast that covers so many shows, but we created this dedicated silo feed to make it super easy for you all to follow along with us week to week. So please hit that subscribe button to stay up to date. If you found us via the search feed by searching silo, then you found our silo feed. But please be sure to check out our main podcast feed at Benchtown TV because we have seven hosts who have covered almost 75 different TV shows with over 350 plus episodes. So we are sure we've covered something you guys will love. Right now, we just finished covering Yellow Jackets in succession. A few weeks ago, Kathleen and Tyler just did a mid-season review of Barry with the finale recording coming up very soon and we also just finished up Mando and now we have Silo so we've been pretty busy and we want you guys to come along for the ride so please hit that subscribe button but anyway let's get to this amazing interview hey guys hey, hey how's how it you going doing? good are you in New York are you East Coast time or yeah I'm in New York it's uh five here where are you guys we're in Philly mm-hmm. oh not far I love Philly yeah I was telling Jim when we started watching Silo I had to admit the first time I had heard you was because I'm an avid listener of a podcast called Right Tricky Sanchez in Philly. And you you did one with Daryl Morey. And I was like, wait, this is the guy that, that's friends with Daryl? <laughs> yeah. Daryl's one of my best friends. I love that guy. My God. All right. Well, we, we're going to keep this this podcast silo focused, but. Let's talk <laughs> basketball, man. Let's, uh, let's talk about Nick Tom. Nurse and what else? Yeah. Guys, Tom will talk all day. Or? Oh, man. Yeah, I'm a huge Sixers fan. I mean, we're both big uh, Philly sports fans in general, but uh, oh, cool. Jim is more his like main basketball team is he's more of a Villanova guy, college guy. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Great team to be a fan of. Yeah. Oh, yeah. That's been, oh, yeah. That's <laughs> and I'm a Sixers sicko. <laughs> you know what? I, this year broke me to the point that I just I'm I, I guess I'm where Mets fans were in the 80s. Like, I just <laughs> I love I love losing it. Like, give me more of it. I don't care. Yeah, it's, I don't know. Well, now you're really becoming a Philly fan. You yeah. I'm a glutton for punishment. Feeling the yeah. pain. I know Daryl would prefer to lose to the eventual champions. I'm sure he was pulling for the Celtics. You think? But I, oh, oh I yeah. Know. Oh, yeah. It's, <laughs> it's, it's, it's better for him professionally if you can tell your boss, like, look, the team that look, beat us I, beat everybody. That makes sense. But that's true. Yeah, it's I true. I loved watching the Celtics go down by 20 last night. Oh, my God. Oh, hell Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> I don't want to see any more Celtics fans with no undershirt on their jerseys. Yeah. Just... <laughs> oh man, oh. Marcus Smart, like come on. I know. <laughs> Flopping oh. somewhere right now. Okay, but we'll talk Silo. We'll talk Silo. We'll talk Silo. So we really appreciate you coming on. You answered us pretty quickly, and I was super excited to be talking to you. We're having so much fun with Silo. We are both 
non-book readers. So we oh, haven't perfect. gotten a okay. chance. I won't yes. spoil anything for you then. Tyler's already bought the book. I'm getting ready to buy the book series. We're both trying not to read before the season one's over. That's, yeah, that's wait till wait till the end of June. Like, it's, yeah. yeah, it's funny. When I watched the first two episodes, I instantly bought the books. And then a lot of the comments from our listeners was like, oh, it's great. A lot of them had read the books. They're saying, oh, it's great right. to hear perspective from people that don't know what's going to happen. And I was like, all right, fine. I, I will just keep them on the shelf until uh, until we get through. But I do feel like I'm making an ass out of myself uh, on a weekly basis. <laughs> probably someone just commented from our last pod because I was misreading um, the note Holston's that Holston note. wrote that says double the double, the, double flowers the flowers in the mirror. I was reading it as douse. So the whole podcast, I'm going. Is Juliet going to action this this yeah. water? Is are we going to dump some water those flowers or what? Put some water in those flowers, man. Don't let them die. <laughs> what are so, those damn flowers? Yeah, I think I think that's part of the uh, part of the audience likes to just hear us make an ass of ourselves each week. But that's what that's what we're going for right now. That's what I'm here for. The nose, nose, nose <laughs> I want to make an ass of myself. Let's do it. <laughs> well, we well, really love as a podcast. We started off with sci-fi and then we started branching off into other TV shows. It's been three years and there's just so much good stuff out there that we just had to jump on everything. But our first love is sci-fi and we all as a group, there's seven of us. And actually Tyler is a guest joining. He's my best friend. So he's joining for Silo. And we love when we find a show and then it leads us to a book series because we're huge book readers as well. And we usually have TV shows that we cover where at least one of us has read the book series. So we like to have some people that can give theories that never read it before. And then some that could be our subject matter experts that can kind of laugh at us and not really say anything on pod, but give us the, hey, you didn't get this or you got this at the end. Now, hopefully, I'm guessing for us, Tyler, you're going to probably read the books after season one. I will, but we're going to have a couple of the other podcast members jump on. So we'll be the veterans because we have to read. <laughs> And then we'll have those newbies come on and watch the show and not uh, not know what the heck is going on. Yeah. And for the second season, you guys, you'll be ahead of the game there. And then you'll get the perspective of people who know what's happening. Exactly. Exactly. I guess to just kick us off, Hugh, it's been an awesome first four weeks of, of watching this show. So congrats on, you know, I, I imagine it, it feels good to see something that you thought up coming to the big screen. Can you kind of just give us a little info on your inspiration to write Wool and the Silo series in the first place and just how it's felt seeing, you know, Tim Robbins get up there and, and, and be on screen? That's <laughs> uh, crazy. It's so surreal. Um, yeah, actually, I had this idea uh, for a novel, but I was writing other books at the time. This is back in like 2009, 2010. And uh, I was writing two or three books a year, but I still had more ideas than I had time. And I wrote a, a short novel for a, a professor. I was taking classes on the side. And uh, I thought, man, that's a great length. I could take this idea that I had for wool. And instead of waiting till I have time to write a novel, I'll just write it as a short piece and just get it out of my head so, it's, so it can stop haunting me. <laughs> and so I wrote it in a pretty short period of time, self-published it, made a, a little paperback edition and a 99-cent ebook. And I went back to writing my next novel. Within a month, that little short story was outselling everything I'd ever written. And a month after that, it was I was making more from, and it, you know, I'm only making 35 cents for each copy that sells. But right. I was like, I got to quit my day job. Like I was, I was making more money That's than amazing. several months of 
of salary and I needed to concentrate on writing more in this world because I've expected my success with this series to end tomorrow for like the last 12 years. <laughs> right, right. Keep 12 years. Yeah. And it's like, it's crazy. It's still a, a book that bookstores shelve, which I know from working at books, that's super rare. Like um, usually you get six months and then you're gone. So I've just been super fortunate and, you know, not just seeing Tim on the screen, but like hanging out with him on set, having meals with him and, and picking his brain on, on things that are not related to the show, but just life stuff like Common, uh, Rebecca, Graham. These are just like really bright, interesting people. And I feel like a tourist. Like I get to hang out with, with smart people and, and get on set and watch how this stuff is made. And the only reason, you know, I get to do it is because I wrote some book like 10 years ago. It seems, <laughs> seems like it doesn't make sense. Well, and it's funny because we recently were on on the uh, journey with The Last of Us too. I don't know if you watched that show on, on HBO. But, oh, yeah. Loved it. Um, and something that was so unique about that was how Neil Druckmann, who had created the game, was, was such a big part of directing the show. I know that you're not getting director credits on, on Silo, but that was going to kind of be the next question of how involved, like, are you on set pretty regularly or how involved are you in the making of the show? No, when I'm, I'm, I've been on set uh, a handful of times, but I'm there just like absorbing it. Uh, well, I was there one day working. I, I did a, a day of extra work. So I've got a cameo in one of the episodes. Oh, which no. Is, which is a lot of fun. Yeah, I've got <laughs> which a lot of episode is it going to be? Uh, I'm, I'll let you try to spot me. Okay. So, okay. Uh, okay. I won't spoil it. Um, <laughs> okay. Good. And uh, as a little bit of Where's Waldo. Yeah. But I will say I'm, I'm, <laughs> I'm, I'm not hard to miss because. My friend was directing the episode and he was like, I'm going to make sure they can't cut you out of this because that's what they they try to do because I'm, you know, not a good actor. Everyone else <laughs> knows what they're doing. So he was like, I'm going to put you, I'm going to have you in the middle of every frame of every angle of every scene. So like, you know, good luck. That's a good really. friend. Yeah. You, do you have a line? No, uh, they knew not to do that. I'd be up for it. Like if, if they if they asked me, I I try to pull it off. One and line, we could try to pull it off. Sorry, you'd be yeah, in continue. the cafeteria, you know, scooping food or something, and just yeah. Me, I feel like they, they'd have thing. to like give my character a name if, if I get a line. You know, <laughs> that's fair. Yeah, you're gonna have to get credited with a name, and then also being the writer, <laughs> the yeah, creator, exactly. of the entire thing. Yeah, I didn't let any of the other extras know who I was, so because I, I just I didn't want to create a scene. I just wanted to blend in. I don't want to disrupt that's awesome. quality. Uh, so it's fun, like walking in on set and people are complaining about the five a.m. call, and like you know everyone's just complaining about work, which is what you do at five o'clock in the morning. <laughs> right, right, right. Meanwhile, right. I couldn't sleep the whole night. And I'm walking in. This is the best day of my life. I'm so excited to be here, and <laughs> I'm not even getting paid. Like, yeah, I just I was like, yeah, I'm pretending to grumble with them. But I was so happy. <laughs> like, who wrote this stupid shit? It's so depressing. Yeah. Who wrote this <laughs> book, man? Even with you having this become a TV show. Also, just being on the show filmed has to be crazy, too. It's amazing. You know, the the big relief we, you, you said earlier how uh, it must be crazy seeing something from your imagination on TV. Mm -hmm. um, it's terrifying until you see the, the response to it, because the worst thing that can happen is it comes out and no one likes it and it's not any good or no one finds it, you know, no one sees it. And so even up to the day of launch, I was nervous about that, but slowly it's just been like one good piece of news after the other. Like oh, yeah. Apple was thrilled with what they got. They were like, this is our big tentpole release for the quarter. And uh, we're way behind this. And they released all 10 episodes to reviewers super early. 
They didn't have a review embargo. Just all the confidence, the signs of confidence have been there for a long time. And then we were leased to amazing reviews, incredible viewership. So that now it's just all fun. I have no, no stress. Yeah, that's great. Ted Lasso just ended. We're going to get it to number one. That's that's my belief on, on the Apple top 10, right? That'd be insane. I, <laughs> uh, I'm i thrilled I to it, see it up there. It's been like number two for a while. Yeah, so. It has been number two for a long time. And Ted Lasso is kind of a juggernaut at this point. So Silo's becoming its own juggernaut soon enough, but needs to take over as the king. <laughs> I would love that. I think by the by the series finale, like people are not going to believe episode 10. It's just, it's mind blowing. And it, and it builds up to that. So like, I hope the word of mouth just even continues to grow as we get to that, that finale on June 30th. And that's, that's another piece for me, just five episodes in this show is having a bit of like some lost feels to me, right? Like there's so many, every episode we're getting more and more questions honestly to the point where i have like an excel doc now with like the all the different like things that are hanging out there so you're obviously the expert here you wrote it when you're writing something with this many characters this much complexity how do you keep it all straight is what i what i wonder with all these different mysteries yeah it's you know you keep a lot of notes when you're writing i always have a separate document of any novel i'm writing um and it's just the title of the the book plus the word notes in all caps it's a very messy system, but anytime I have a little thought, stuff I need to foreshadow, themes I'm like circling back on, but then all the details, like I, I keep a, a list of all the character names and, and anything that's important about them. And then luckily I, I make a lot of mistakes, but then when I send it off to my editor, he's a complete savant for like like all kinds of plot holes and, and errors and catches a lot of stuff. And you don't just write one thing, like you write it and then you revise it a dozen times and right. then you get to like layer in all the stuff like all the extra meaning and all the things that i told my english professor weren't there in books and i was wrong it really <laughs> is there <laughs> i think i saw that your editor was this the person that originally sent you a document saying all the things wrong with yeah. was it wool yeah it was, it was wool. wool right <laughs> yeah i think the title of the email was uh, 182 things wrong with wool or, or <laughs> some large number like that and I was like, wow, this is very presumptuous. And then I opened it up and I was like, yeah, that's not, oh, that's wrong. Oh, wow. Did I, oh my <laughs> gosh, I'm just scrolling down and agreeing with every one of them. And, uh, and luckily since I'm self-published, you know, I could go and revise that. Like I fixed them that day. I, first thing I did was wow. fix them actually, before I even responded to him. I was just like, oh my God, because people were downloading it so much at the time. It was a, a New York Times bestseller. It was like flying out the door and I was like, I got to fix all this. So I made all these changes and then emailed him and said, Hey, I, I, I know some people would be like really upset at getting this email, but I was so honored. I was like, dude, you're a genius. I'm getting ready to publish the sequel. Can I send it to you and hire you as my editor? And what do I owe you for these other edits? And he was like, you don't owe me anything. He's like, I'm glad you're not mad at me. And, <laughs> and, and he was like, I'll do it just to read an early copy of the sequel. I'm dying to read the next book. I'm like, no, I'm not taking advantage of you like that here. Wow. I had to do research. Like, Here's how much an editor makes. I'm going <laughs> to tack on like 20% on that. And that's awesome. Um, yeah. And he's, he's edited every one of my books ever since. His name's David Gatewood. If you're a, a writer out there, I, I shouldn't, you know, pimp him any more than I already do because it's hard for me. <laughs> I can't him. get, yeah, he can't, he can't squeeze me in anymore. He's so busy now. 
Wow. That's incredible. But that's that's amazing to have someone that's so enthralled with your work because they love it so much. And then they decide that they're that dedicated to send it to you. And, you know, I, I, I agree. I wouldn't take it as as any kind of offense. I would say, oh, I can't believe you care this much. Yeah. So good. That's awesome. hard to find, man. Yeah, yeah exactly. great when they find you. And I and I want to keep this silo related, but you've touched on it a couple of times before. And something that I was really interested in, just the more I was researching your background, was kind of the advocacy and things that you've done for the self-publishing authors. Um, and I know that you've you know, consulted a lot of people since you started doing it. How do you think your experiences and your success as an independent author like impacts your creative process, your perspective on traditional publishing models? Like what? What has that been like? Well, I, I work with publishers as well, so I respect uh, what they do and and their model works great. I, I'm a huge reader and without them, I wouldn't have grown up on all the books that I've fallen in love with and maybe want to be a writer. But, you know, there are limits to uh, or limitations that come from that model. Like Bull went viral as a 50 page like novelette. It like defies categorization, that kind of mm -hmm. length of a story. But that's how long the story wanted to be. And the freedom of self-publishing let me just write it to its length and put it out there. And um, and then I serialized the rest. Like you can never get away with that stuff for the publisher. And the only reason they published it as it is is because it had already you know, hit the New York Times list as a, its own novel. But if, if I had sent that manuscript into an editor, they'd be like, wait, you're just killing off protagonists and you don't, you don't introduce Juliet until like page 100. Like you can't like, here, go rewrite this. Yeah. So it's it's amazing. Like the readers are the ones who told us that this is a story that they love. And if, if you get the publishers involved too early, then the readers miss out on something they would really enjoy. So I've always been a fan of the indie route, just like I am of like indie films and indie music. It doesn't mean I don't want, um, you know, a blockbuster film. It doesn't mean I don't want the music industry to not exist. It just means that like, there should be an indie route in all forms of entertainment so that we can have a diversity of voices and content. No, that's a great thought. And I think we're seeing that, you know, as we talk, what we, the shows that we're going over as like a podcast is silo and Barry and succession. And these things that if it was 10 years ago, even an ABC had succession, that would never work. But if we go along with it, they would never let it be four seasons, right? They, it, it, they would want it to just keep going. It's the moneymaker. And now, you know, we're living in this era where people can create things that are the right size. And I think that does make them better. Um, For sure. That's, that's, that's really interesting. Yeah, having the source material, Tyler, you were talking about how you're we're kind of comparing it to Lost because of all these questions. But the the good thing is that the writers of the show have the source material from Hugh. Lost didn't have that. Lost was being written as it's going. You know, now we yeah, have you the gave them you gave them a roadmap. So yeah, they have the roadmap. They have something to follow. Yeah, and you know, I think um, it's a huge advantage. And I was I was a huge fan of Lost. But I, I think what happened with Lost is it was the first show in the age of social media and customer yep. feedback, like viewer feedback. So the, the writers probably had an idea of what they wanted to do, but uh, viewers spooked them. Like they were they were nailing the whole show after one episode. And so you're like, oh, we have to change everything just to fool these five <laughs> geniuses. Exactly. Like, yeah. Tell the story you want to tell. Like I've already seen people who figured out the, all of Silo. Like, and I won't tell you who got it right because there's a million different theories out there. 
But sure. I read one and I was like, oh my God, this person hasn't read the <laughs> books because that's like, they nailed it. And there's nothing wrong with that. Like, I, we don't need to change it up to surprise that one person. Like, you can ruin, you can ruin a show reacting to uh, people's ingenuity like that. Me and Tyler definitely always have to talk about on the podcast. There's a big difference between people like me and him watching Silo and someone like, for example, our parents or casual viewers. So we're watching Silo and certain things. We're like, all right, here's the seeds that are being planted and we're waiting for it to happen. And then another, just like bringing up the parent example again, my dad's watching at the same time and he's like, oh my gosh, did you, did you see that coming? I mean, him had it, you know, down in episode two, just because that's how, we're we're super in into this show and we're and we're podcasters. That's what we do. But you have to be able to to work with the casual viewers and the people that are going to be watching and and fine tooth combing it. And you know we're on the Reddit, we're on the Facebook groups, and it's amazing. We're adding our theories. We're reading all of their theories. Thank you so much for jumping in and, and answering a lot of them and sending pictures and. And I was just going through, I don't know how long ago it was, but just typing in your name and reading everything that you've said when you're responding to everyone. Me and Tyler had in our last episode, his wife actually caught it before us, the the W, the Cassiopeia. And then we saw you confirm it on the Reddit, which was awesome for us because we didn't see it till after we, we recorded. So we're like, all right, cool. We got it. <laughs> Things like that are just really cool to, to, to have available you know, with social media, Reddit, Facebook, things like that. And then having the creator being a part of it is just amazing man i love that i i and watching the recap videos and the facebook group the reddit what's so cool is like when the book came out everyone's reading it at different times so you can't have this conversation but since we have this week in between like yes. i know where everyone is in the story so you can jump in and and discuss things and i I'm, i know a lot of people are going to binge this you know it'll be you know five years from now if someone will watch this for the first time but so it's such a unique time that we're like uh, getting to watch it now. And I can tell you, like, I've, I'm watching every episode a couple of times because I'm just enthralled with these performances. And I know the people involved. I want to reward their effort by really paying attention to the details. But as soon as all this is out, I'm going to binge the whole thing again. But we'll never go. We'll never be able to go back to this moment. And exactly. That's why I'm just so appreciative of all the people jumping in now. And I hope we can spread the word and get more people to join us on this journey for the last uh five weeks or so we're right there we're halfway through we're trying to bring as many people we can in we have the rest of our benchtown group they're not on the podcast but they're following along listening to us and on the reddit and everything and they're really enjoying the show off the back of that the week to week format works so well for a show like this like i don't mm -hmm. want to be spoiled of everything all at once like we'll be talking on the podcast and because i've watched an episode multiple times i'm like Oh, well, both T's in truth are capitalized on the back of Holston's badge. Does that mean something? And it's like, I'm getting to the point where maybe like there was some intern inscribing the back of his badge before the show. And like, <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm analyzing it on the pod, which I wouldn't have it any other way, but that, that's a funny thing. You can just wink or tell me if I'm onto something with the two T's, but you know, <laughs> here's what I will say. There's so many smart people involved in the making of the show and everyone puts all their creativity into every detail. And so if they can make it better and give little Easter eggs and teasers for people, that's what they do. And we've had so many talented people involved. Like we needed a, a pact, obviously, a book to pass around and to, mm -hmm. to thumb open. So Pippa, one of the uh, incredible graphic designers, just sat down and wrote an amazing chunk of an actual pact. Like 
<laughs> and when you read yeah. this, you're like, this is like the constitution. Like you could, yeah. you could found a society based on these rules and it's so detailed. And a lot of shows, I think they would just be like the Ipsum, you know, yeah. uh, Latin yeah. filler, the Latin. Yep. Yeah. No, it's like, I, I, I cherish those, those little packs, um, because so much work went into them and there's that kind of detail everywhere, you know, in the artwork and the tapestries and the quilts and the clothing. I'm a geek for all that stuff. I think it's so cool. It's such good fan service. It's tough for us because we haven't read yet. And it's going to be so interesting to see how we read the book, knowing the show and having that already in our minds. But we were saying in episode one, right away, how amazing all the visuals were just having this world come to life. And like you said, all the small details, it was just awesome. And the generators episode when they're fixing the generator and getting it whirling again, everything's been so good with the CGI and with the cinematography and everything like that. Yeah, they have just the best crew on this. The two really crazy sets to walk into are the stair, the staircase, the main set, which is like three levels of the silo built and, and fully detailed. And the other is the um, the generator room because they had they, that entire control room. It's not like bits and pieces staged together. They just built the whole thing. Wow. So you can be up in the control room looking down at the gangway and all the pipes and everything, you know, like what, what Juliet breaks with the wrench and has to go down and grab the hose and jump into the lower part. Like all that's practical. It's all there. And it, just walking into that was uh, at, and behind it is like all these corridors, like where the guys are hanging out drinking and, and where they go and remove the sign to, to go through the hole. Yeah. Yeah. Like mm -hmm. all that practical stuff is there and you get to walk through it. It's, it's really amazing. That's that Apple TV money, huh? Yeah. It's there the nature of, it's the nature of TV, prestige TV these days. Like, um, yeah. I had another show film last year and they were like, yeah, it's a, a small budget. And then they told me what it was per episode. And I was like, that's like what, top budget was for any TV show 10 years ago. So this is where entertainment's heading. Like it's um, to do these big things and do them right. It costs a lot of money. Is that Beacon 23 you're talking about? Yeah, Beacon 23, which should be out hopefully late this year. I'm sure we'll be covering that as well then. We were <laughs> well, looking into Cersei that. It has Cersei in it, Jim. So. Yeah, it does have Cersei in it. <laughs> yeah, we're you guys Game did, of Thrones people here. You did The Expanse, right? You guys covered that and... No, so we were going to cover The Expanse, and we were a little bit behind. Well, actually, we were pretty behind on it because we started three years ago, and it was already a couple seasons in. We do a lot of things like Rooks and Vets where we have like someone who's watched the show, watch it with people who haven't, and we were going to do it for that. We haven't actually gone there yet. A couple of our hosts have watched The Expanse and love it, and it's weird that we haven't because we're sci-fi podcasters mostly, but you know, we haven't actually gone there yet. Yeah, I just bring it up because those guys are great, Ty and Daniel, who wrote that. But um, they also they the, a lot of the people who worked on that show worked on Beacon and built the the sets and stuff. It's just an incredible job. But and the the folks that worked on Silo is all done outside of London, and the effects teams, the practical builders. It's just they Apple went out and hired the the best they could find, and it's cool watching. It's so easy to get you know you guys know as as much as I do for watching a lot of film and TV like. You can get things wrong and, and things aren't great sometimes. And all it takes is one or two mistakes in order to make something great. You got to like basically bat a thousand. You got to go up and hit like a hundred right. balls out of the park, one after the other. And it's so rare that that happens. And that's the nature of what we were talking about with loss versus shows today, where there's so many people looking at it and now it can be written down, whether it's Reddit or Facebook, this and that we have people fine tooth combing everything. 
My question is, I, Tyler, you kind of went over me and I was going over you. My question was going to be from the set. Did you get to steal anything? Did you take anything from your world? Um, I I may have snuck a, a, one of the deputy badges off set. Okay, that's um, awesome. Yeah, there. I mean, there's so many cool props. And um, if we get to do a, as many seasons as we think it needs to tell the whole story, the last day of filming is going to be a, a riot scene of people trying to take cool <laughs> stuff. Um, yeah. Uh, I, I just got like a cool swag bag from the promo and marketing teams, this like beautiful bag and a silo thermos. So I'll always have that, but. Oh, that's awesome. That's you know, great. The real loot's the fringe you make along the way. Sure. <laughs> there, there, you go. there you go. There you go. I was now an intern for Tim the Robbins. Sixers back in the day and they didn't pay us with money, but they paid us with swag. So I've got five Kyle Corver jerseys I can ship you. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I've got I've got a bit of Sixer swag myself. It's uh it's all good stuff. <laughs> and just to keep us on silent for one last thing, I thought just from watching it, we're talking about the relationships, but there's a lot of themes that I find myself thinking about, just the nature of when you're born into something, how much you really question you know, your environment. I think Jim, it took us to the fourth podcast before Jim said, why aren't there any elevators in here? And I was like, oh, yeah. <laughs> I never even thought about it watching the show. That being said, like when you were writing this, was there any particular theme that you were really hoping to convey through these dynamics? Yeah, a ton of them. I mean, I, I, I could bore you to death with the, all the different. And th- this is like the thing that I love about writing is I get to take all of my nonfiction reading and and my current events fascinations and tie them into whatever I'm working on. Matter of fact, I can't I can't write a story if I don't know what it's about, if I don't have that theme in mind. It can't just be about people moving around and doing stuff. It's got to be talking about like the human condition. And so when I describe when I compare this to like 1984 or Brave New World, it's not just the subject matter. It's that those people are also writing about subtext. Um and that that's the fun of it to me. Like when I'm writing about the wall screen, I'm talking about how getting our news from screens that filter for bad news because we uh, select for it. Like we demand bad news. We pay more attention to it. And that evolutionary survival mechanism means that we end up doing terrible things to our psyches. Like they know that we'll watch it more. So they feed more to us. So we get all of our news through our cell phones, our laptops, our TVs, 24 hour news. And they just say like, Here's every crime that happened in your community on the local news. Here's every car wreck. Here's every break-in. Here's the one tree that fell in that hurricane. And so our view of the outside world gets like really um, cynical. And around the same time that cell phones and internet and CNN were all taking off, I, I was sailing around seeing the world completely differently than what I'd been told it was like, like sailing into Cuba in the late 90s before before tourism was allowed there. And this is a beautiful place. And there were bad things or, you know, people were hurting for, for things, but there was, there were like people dancing and people falling in love and children playing soccer in the street. And, and that was most of what was happening. And that's true of almost any community. Most of what's happening is people like caring for their kids and um, hanging out with their friends and falling in love and stuff like that. And and so that was like the main theme of the story and something I wanted to write about. Like, who who are the courageous people 
in society. It's not the people who are cynics who are talking about how terrible the world is. It's the people who point out all the beautiful things around us. And they see through that dismal view of the screen and say, hey, um, things might be better. We might be able to make it this world a better place. And so those are my heroes. And once you have that, it's really easy to say, like, here's Allison. She's a hero. Here's Holson. He can't, he won't listen to her. There's the tension. And, and so for me, it all starts with like the big idea. And then you think about the kind of people who would live with that idea and, and the story grows from there. That's really interesting. Yeah, that's amazing. Love that. We were talking about, especially in this episode, how we have our big theory about what's going on, at least for the outside. And we were talking about how pretty much in the last two to three episodes, there really hasn't been much progress in, in that part of the mystery. But what the progress has been has been within the silo, the characters, the character development, the character interactions, the mysteries within the silo itself, world building within the silo. Like that's the stuff that's amazing. We were talking about how a lot of people now this is also coming from someone who hasn't read the books. But, you know, we were joking that people were saying that episodes one and two had Holson and Allison and they were a big part of the story. And people said, well, Juliet's the main character. Could we have just jumped right to Juliet? And I feel like that's kind of what you were saying. The publishers were saying or would have said if you gave that to them. Hey, I introduced Jules in page 100. Maybe you need to do it a little bit earlier. But we were saying how important those first two episodes are to build this world because, yes, it's important to figure out the mystery of what's going on outside. But you have to figure out what's going on inside first. You have to know the world that's on the inside first. And we've been having a great time for the past five episodes figuring that out. And, you know, we have our theory and it hasn't really been it hasn't really been. Tyler, I guess we're good still, right? We're our theory's still okay. We haven't had anything going against it yet. Uh, I, well, I don't know your theory yet, but I'll tell you that you're wrong because uh, <laughs> yeah. it's it's impossible to get it right. Um, yeah, well, with our theory, we're not talking about like your series in general. We're just talking about what's going on outside. And again, we know we're probably wrong, and we're just throwing darts, and maybe yeah. we'll get a bullseye, but we we probably missed a hundred times. But, you know, we're dousing the flowers and water, apparently, when we're supposed to be doubling the flowers in front of the mirror. You know, <laughs> I was thinking that maybe Judge Meadows, but until I saw her, was Tim Robbins with a wig. And that got blown <laughs> up last episode. So I've That's been holding a couple L's recently, so I don't want to talk about any of my theories. Uh, right now. I will say what's interesting is people who read the book know that the, the outside world mystery is being discussed in every episode. Ooh. And people who haven't read the book don't see that that's taking place so okay okay when when walker is like like even in the first episode when allison was like do everything stronger than this and she's talking about the magnifying glass right and in episode five juliet's like do everything stronger and they're like you know that's that's as strong as is allowed and like well what about um two lenses and she's like you mean the thing your mom built your mother created yep yeah mm -hmm. and why why won't they allow like greater magnification what kind of rule is that like right what's amazing when you when you know the whole story is that is the biggest bomb that's been dropped on the show but it'll only make sense like much much later so right, right. the fun of this period is uh watching people think that the outside's not being discussed while the outside's being discussed that's great. I mean, we've had a lot of book readers comment and say that they are having so much fun with us because we literally don't know anything, which is the best part of it. I mean, we're guessing. We're throwing our theories out there with no 
preconceived notions whatsoever. And we're going to end season one and we're going to read and we're going to become the, the experienced ones because I can't take it. <laughs> <laughs> I think it'd be fun to see if you're strong enough to have one of you not read. And, yeah, I, uh, I know. Uh, or at least, you know, not get into the second book of the of the trilogy, because that's where a lot of the answers are in uh, Shift, which is the second book. Um, right. But uh, yeah, there's there's so many. What's awesome about setting the story up is I actually learned a lot from Lost from watching it and realizing that they didn't have the ending in mind. And so when I went to flesh out the story and write the novel, I was like, okay, spend a week, like figure out your world, figure out the big beats and like what happened before you write a story into it. And that let me lay all of these like um, layers of, of intrigue. And I'll just say like finding out what's happening outside the silo is just the beginning of like how many fun mysteries there are to solve. We can't wait. That's music to my ears right there. (laughs) Yeah. We love the theories. We love the mysteries. We, uh, we post them and we hear what people say about them. Tyler, (laughs) as small as the stupid Tim Robbins wearing a wig, uh, theory to as big as ours right now, which is our, we'll do a quick overview, but it's basically that. Let's hear it. Yeah, so basically our theory right now is that to keep them within the silo, they need to have the actual the actual outside being shown. So it is actually poisoned out there. It's crappy. You can't survive. So in order to keep everybody together without rebellion, they show the outside, but the outside cameras will get whatever it's called, dusty. They need to be cleaned. So they have these suits created that actually do not protect you. And, you know, they send you outside for whatever reason, whether you ask to go outside or you do something wrong. When you go outside, you're actually wearing the suit that doesn't protect you. You're just wearing a VR headset that shows you that everything is beautiful. Everything is blue skies, sunny birds. Uh, The reason we went to that, mainly my reason was because I saw in the episode with Allison, when she sees the, the clip, it looks like it's the same exact clip that holston sees with the birds flying in the v formation behind the tree so basically what we're saying is that once you get out there that's the incentive to clean because you're saying oh my gosh everything's beautiful i have to show everybody you clean and then you're not protected so you die anyway and you can show the same clip over and over and over because the person doesn't survive and then the other part was nobody's ever taken the mask off so we're thinking he sees the vr he pulls the mask off everyone says oh my gosh no one's ever done that before and then we don't see what he sees, but we know that he crawls right to his wife, who apparently wasn't there when he was looking at the blue skies and, and everything when he says, oh, you're right, damn you, Allison, you're right. So that's like our big overarching theory, but we're still trying to figure out, like Tyler's point of view was, you know, it, it, it purely exists because they need to keep everyone in order. The You can't just send someone out there to clean because they'll just die. They can't, They didn't figure out a way to protect themselves yet. So they do it to the people who asked to go or who are in trouble. I and love as, that. That's as, amazing. As Jim says this, my wife and I were like walking from the uh, grocery store earlier today. And she said, well, what if that's not, what if it's not even the world out there? What if it's just a room that they're going into and they're killing them? And I was like, Oh my God. <laughs> like I, every, well, I, I doubled, I second guess everything that I see in the show. It's just a matter of trying to see everything so that you can even have something to say about it. Right. Right. I, I mean, and I, I love thing. all this, but you know, it's amazing. I, I love the really like, um, I, I remember someone when the books were coming out, seriously, someone was like, 
what if they're just in like a spaceship and they're you know it's taking them to another like the earth got messed up and they needed to go to another planet i saw people, that one people would go crazy so they put them in a <clears throat> generation ship but they need them to think that they're still on earth and so they're just like moving at one gravity and what was cool about that is that person was getting like way more right than almost anyone else, but in a way that they don't, they have no idea why. Right, right, um, right, right. <laughs> so I will say you, you guys are doing really well. Um, We're trying and, our best. Yeah. And keep it up. I love it. Love it. Well, great. Hugh, thank you so much for, for giving us some of your time. If we got three minutes, I'm going to hit you with one <laughs> Sixers question. But it's sure. just really more yes or no. It's more for my own mental health. Are you okay, okay. with that? Yeah. <laughs> All right. So I'm sure you're friends with Daryl. Maybe Daryl has a couple beers. He's given you a little bit of extra information. <laughs> I just need to have some type of confirmation that Daryl has a good plan for what we're going to do this offseason. Do you feel Blink confident twice. as a Sixers fan? I will say Daryl never tells me stuff uh, uh, that I'm not supposed to know. He knows that I don't want to know that stuff. I'm a, I'm primarily his friend and support. Like I, I want to see him win a championship, um, uh, even though he should get uh, a lot of credit for the, the Celtics winning a championship back when Doc was there because he really helped uh, yeah. a, a lot of that place. And he's won uh, what three three G League rings, mm-hmm. which I think he should wear everywhere. Um, uh, he would never tell me things that are out of order, but I will say like, your question is, do I have confidence in him? I've got a lot of smart friends. I'm really lucky in that way that I'm any room I'm in with my friends. I'm the dumbest person in the room. I I know some of the smartest people around and I don't have any friends as any smarter than Daryl. Like he, the guy's a genius and he's also so likable. Like ev- everyone around the league loves him. He's worked with so many people so that he gets to, you know, have great relationships with with folks in other front offices and look at his history of winning. Like, I mean, for all the grief that the the Rockets got back in the day, no one came closer to beating prime warriors than than the Rockets, like nobody. And it was like a, a hammy getting pulled here or missing 27 threes in a row, like fluke things that you just can't. Uh, otherwise, that, that Warriors dynasty wouldn't look like a dynasty. And I, I haven't ever, I haven't looked at this math, but I wouldn't be surprised if Daryl's teams are, if he has the winningest record as a GM or the top two or three since he's, uh, you know, been running things because his teams just win a lot of games. They go to the playoffs, they go deep. I, the Sixers are here to make us unhappy. That's what the Sixers are here for. <laughs> and I, I'm all for it. I'm, I love having, yeah, look, when I'm, I'm, when I'm, I'm a, a Daryl Sixers fan, I'm like, let's have a therapy session, man. Like we, we're going through it together. Let's let's talk about this. I'm a Daryl Morey stan, and I just need to know, you know, so you don't have to sell me on Daryl, but, you know, I was just looking to get an indication of, like, his swagger walking around. Like, is he like, oh, I know what I'm going to – I know what's going to happen this offseason. Don't you worry. He's he's always got swagger and existential dread <laughs> in equal measure. But I will say, like, like he's dealing with things. Like, I, I love Tobias. He's amazing. He's such an amazing guy. He's one of the stand-up dudes in the league, and no one should begrudge someone making money. But you also building a winning team around that contract when it's going to yeah. give you like yeah. maybe ten points a game in the playoffs. Meanwhile, the Heat are getting twenty-eight points from a guy who's making like you know a fifth of that. So there are right. certain things that happened before Daryl was there that you uh, almost no one could build a winning team around, and almost no one could have done the Ben. I mean, look. 
James Harden yeah. led the league in assists, uh, had one of his best, most efficient years of his career, has deferred for his team. I could go on for ages about like that trade was. Amazing. Oh, yeah. I mean, ben in hindsight, like Ben was like, yeah, <laughs> it could so, be so much worse. Yeah. Like, <laughs> Um, they, they, they should have beaten the Celtics. They took them deep. I think they would have beaten the heat. This was their year. You know, know, Denver's going to be tough for anybody, but I think Joel matches up well with Jokic. So who knows? It's a very big, what if, but, um, we're just going to have to get through this together. I trust Daryl and he's saying a lot of good things about Maxie, who is my boy. I just love Maxie. So I'm feeling, feeling like he's got a good plan regardless. They should build around Maxie. That kid is something special. Yeah, I don't want to. I don't want to waste any more of your time talking about the new salary cap aprons and things like that because we can keep going. But <laughs> let's do it. We'll do another. We'll do another podcast just about the Sixers sometime. That hey, <laughs> Tyler hey, would love that. Don't don't tempt me with a good time. All right, thank you guys. It's been great. <laughs> thank you so with much. You. you really appreciate it. Yeah, let's catch up after the season. Would love oh, that. that would be great. Yeah, thank you so much. Appreciate your time. You're welcome. Peace, guys. Bye. All right, guys, there you have it, the awesome Hugh Howie. We really can't thank him enough for coming onto the pod to chat with us, and we hope to have him back soon, maybe after the finale, fingers crossed. If you guys like what you heard and you're listening on the silo feed, please hit that subscribe button, but also please be sure to check out our main account, Bingetown TV, to find all of our other shows that we've covered. You can find us at BingetownTV.com, or you can just type in Bingetown TV on any of your favorite podcast apps. We appreciate every single one of you guys, and we can't wait to talk to you guys about Episode 6 coming very soon. Once again, we are Bingetown TV, and thank you so much for listening. You're listening to the Geekscape Network. You're listening to the Geekscape Network.